Well, good morning, church. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm old. Older than Pastor Jeremy, it seems. Well, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 18. We're continuing on in our To Boldly Go series. And if you're new to us here at Harvest Payless over the past year, we've been talking about the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. What did he say? What did he do? What does he want us to do right from the mouth of Jesus? And uh, so this morning we're talking about the topic of forgiveness. And we're trying to answer this question, how does God expect me to forgive? How does God expect me to forgive? And in Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, did I say 28? 18. I did that again. Matthew chapter 18. My, my mistake. I'm sorry. In Matthew chapter 18, uh, the Lord is, uh, is in the midst of teaching us about uh, how to forgive one another. <clears throat> now, before we, we look at the words of Jesus, and before we start talking about uh, the way that Jesus commanded us to forgive, we all got to kind of get on the same page a little bit here. And we've got to say, uh, what does forgiveness mean? How are we going to define forgiveness? Before we call one another to go and do this and respond to Jesus' call to go and do this, what does it mean to forgive? Well, you can write this down in your notes. Forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. You can put that up on on the screen here. Forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. So no matter the moment, no matter what's going on, uh, no matter who it is or what they've done to you, when somebody sins against you, there is a gap. Okay, there's a gap. A a relationship is broken and something needs to be fixed. But the problem is the sin happened in the past and you can't change it. There's been emotional trauma. There's been uh, spiritual harm. There's even in some cases, in a lot of cases, been physical harm. There's been damage that's been done, irreparable and sometimes incalculable damage that can't be changed, can't be taken back. There's a gap. Okay, something is owed. And to forgive is that decision to release that person from that obligation of what you owe. So let me, let me give it to you uh, for an example. My mom and dad are here from out of town. Mom and dad, can you give us a wave? Give us a wave. Hey, guys. And uh, uh, they have heard me seek forgiveness many times. I'm sure you can all, all understand and agree with that. Many times that I'd like to recount or that they'd like to recount, I'm sure. But imagine this. My, my, my dad and I, we both love basketball. We love to play basketball. Growing up, uh, my dad would, would school me in basketball, and he'd get angry and frustrated. And then he got old, and I learned how to play. Uh, so I started beating my dad. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but but let's, let's say, imagine, just, just imagine that he squeaks one, one out, okay? Let's, let's imagine my dad squeaks a win out against me this afternoon. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. So, so uh, I, I, I get so angry that I take the ball and I take a knife and I pff, pop it, right? Pop the ball and it is, it's toast. It's done. He can't play anymore. And my dad would just look at me. What's wrong with you? Which he's also done many times, many occasions. What is wrong with you? Right, but now there's a debt there, right? There's a debt. Okay, so I got angry. I sinned against my dad. I ruined his ball. So now he can't play anymore. And I upset him and I disrespected him. 
And I just, I, I, I made a fool out of myself by the way, I made a fool out of him too because I'm his son. And so there, there's, this, there's this damage there that can't be repaired. And so now, now my dad's got two options. He can either, number one, become bitter and suffer over the wrong that was done to him. Or number two, he can release it. He can say, you owe me nothing. You're obligated to pay me back nothing. And we go on living a father and son life. Okay, does this make sense? Are you guys seeing this? How there's a, there's a gap, there's an obligation, and it's got to either be paid or it's got to be forgiven. But either way, something has to happen with it. So let's look at Jesus' words as he begins to talk about forgiveness. Now we're in verse 21, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And Jesus is literally in the middle of a sermon. He's in the middle of a sermon about forgiveness. And in this sermon, Jesus says, if you actually look back at verse 15, he says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So Jesus begins teaching about forgiveness. And he gives a a, a whole conversation about if he sins against you, you go to him, you confront him with it. And if he confesses to you, you forgive it. If he doesn't, you grab a buddy and you say, let's take care of this right now. And if he confesses, forgive it. If he doesn't, you bring it before the church, you bring it before the elders. And if he confesses it, forgive it. If he doesn't, then send him out of the church as if he's a non-believer, okay? So Jesus is in the midst of talking about forgiveness, and so Peter, whom we all love to mock sometimes because he's boneheaded and he's loudmouthed and he interrupts Jesus, but if that sounds like you, raise your hand, okay? Yeah, that's all of us, so quit laughing at Peter. So, so Peter is listening to Jesus' sermon and he interrupts it. Jake, don't get any ideas. You can't interrupt my sermon, okay? Just, that's not the example to take. But here's what Peter says, verse 21. Peter came up to him and he said, Lord, How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. You can write this down in your notes. We're answering the question, how do we forgive? How does God expect me to forgive? Well, number one is this, forgive others as frequently as they ask for your forgiveness. Forgive others as frequently as they ask for your, forgive, for, for your forgiveness. In this time period, first century AD, that Jesus was, uh, Jesus was, was, was teaching, the religious culture of the day said, three strikes and you're out. That's what they said. They said, you get, you get three times and you're out. So you come to me once, and you sin against me? Brandon, please forgive me. Yes, I forgive you. I release you of that debt. You do it again. Second time, Brandon, please forgive me. Yes, I forgive you. I release you of that debt. Third time, please forgive me. Yes, I I, I forgive you. I release you of that debt. Fourth time, who are you again? (laughs) Out, gone, cut off, done. So there's Peter. Here's Jesus' words. Go to your brother. If he, if he confesses his sin, forgive him. And so he's thinking, okay. I didn't hear a number here. I didn't hear three. And Jesus knows better. Jesus knows that three is the limit. So, so I'm going to ask him, and uh, I'm going to say six. No, no. I'm going to do even better. I'm going to go double plus one. So Peter says, whoa, 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 Jesus. Hold on, hold on. How many times would you say? Seven? Seven times? Right? 
thinking he's great. And now remember, Jesus is in the middle of a sermon, so he's probably in mid-breath. What? No, 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 Peter, you're thinking wrong. I didn't say, I didn't give you a limit. Listen, not three, not seven, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. Right? So all you math majors out there, that's what? 490 times? Right? So is Jesus saying, okay, get a list on your fridge, right? And, and list out how many times they sin against you. And once they get to 489, you're getting ready to cross them off the list. They sin again, and whoa, he's out. No, Jesus isn't saying that. He's not saying that. He's, not, he's saying, Peter, stop counting. Stop counting. Forgive without ever stopping. That's what he's saying. Limitless, unlimited forgiveness. We're not good at that, are we? We're not good at that. We're, we're sitting there with Peter, right? And we're sitting down and saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, you're getting out of control with this forgiveness stuff. And we want to know how many times. What's the limit? When, do I, when can I say stop? Because I'm a person too. I'm not a doormat. I'm not a doormat. I, can, I, I have a life and, and, and I need respect too. So, so when can I say enough is enough? And Jesus says, no, it's never enough. Look at this in Luke chapter 17, verse 4. You can put this verse on the screen. Jesus says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, that this person is sinning against you multiple times a day, over and over and over again. And he says, when he turns to you and he says, I repent. Not when he turns to you and he shows signs of repentance. Not when he turns to you and pays you back a little bit and then says, okay, can you cover the rest? Not when he turns to you and says, I swear to you, I'm going to make it up to you, but please forgive me. No, 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 no. Jesus says, when he says to you, I repent, you must, for, you must forgive him. Not you should not you ought, not it would be really good if you, not any of that, but you must forgive him. It's a command. Right? And he comes after you day after day after day after day. Sin after sin after sin after sin. Lying, cheating, stealing, lusting, unfaithful, whatever it is. Every day it's the same thing over and over and over again. And when they approach you and say, please forgive me, you forgive them. Now, Luke 17, 4 says this. Look at what Luke 17, 5 says. It says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith! If that's your prayer after hearing what Jesus just said, say amen. amen. Right? Because we're human beings. And we want to be able to say, Enough is enough. We want to be able to say, God, he hit the limit. But Jesus says no. You continue to forgive. And now Jesus is a master teacher. He's a master teacher. And he teaches us how to forgive by telling a story. We love stories, right? We love watching movies, love reading books. And the best way to, to, to prove this point and to show what it means is by telling a story. So he tells a parable, something that didn't really happen, but he uses it. It's a very lifelike situation that he uses to teach a point. And so the point that he's trying to teach is how to forgive. So look at verse 23. He says, Therefore... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
So how do we go about forgiving the way that God expects us to forgive? You can write this down in your notes. Number two, seek out those who have sinned against you with the intent of forgiving them. Seek out those who have sinned against you with the intent of forgiving them. So remember, Jesus is trying to uh, prove this point or trying to illustrate this point that he was just giving about going to your brother and, and calling him to repent. And I was telling it the form of a story. And look what the king does. The king desires to settle accounts with his servants. But notice this in verse 23. Jesus says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts. Okay, Jesus not only came to take our sins on the cross, but Jesus came to tell us exactly how God expects us to live. Jesus starts off this story by saying, Look, let me tell you about what God wants. Peter, I heard what you said, that you only want to do it seven times, but let me tell you about life in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you about what it means to walk as a child of God. Let me tell you what it means to be a citizen of of the kingdom of heaven. Because all of us, our ethics are jacked up, right? Our ethics are jacked up. We, we live in a, in a post-Genesis 3 world, right? We live in a world that's, that's completely and utterly destroyed by the fall of mankind, by our own sin. And so the way that we think is like Peter. Seven times, Jesus? What's the limit? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let me show you how, how, let me show you how it works in the kingdom of heaven. So the king wanted to settle accounts. And so he begins to call in his servants who owe him money. So verse 24, when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, get this. One talent is worth 20 years worth of wages. That's, that's a talent, okay? 20 years worth of wages. So, I mean, you take the average guy's salary, $50,000, and you multiply that by 20, that's a million bucks. That's one talent, Raise your hand if you can cover that debt. No, impossible. So then you multiply that by 10,000, and what do you get? $10 billion. $10 billion. Everyone say billion. Right. Raise your hand if you can cover that debt. Absolutely not. Jesus' point here is not just to say, look, he owed him a lot of money, but Jesus' point was here to say, look, the amount that he owed him was absolutely impossible to recover. This guy can never do it. Not in 10 lifetimes, not in 20 lifetimes, not in 30 lifetimes. He couldn't do it. And everybody who heard that, when they heard the word 10,000 talents, they would have went, whoa, really? Now, I don't know if this guy was investing in football teams or what, but it was, he, he, was, he was far, far, far gone. And so the king brings him in, and now it's time to decide. The king can either, like we said in forgiveness, choose to hold that debt to him and make him pay it every last penny, which he has every right to expect him to do, or he can release him. Let's see what happens. Verse 25. And since he could not pay, duh, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So he chose not to forgive. He chose, I'm going to hold this against him. He chose, here's this incredibly high, um, impossible to pay amount, and you've got to pay it back every single cent. And so this man's entire life was going to be put into basically servanthood. He, now he has to serve the king for free for the rest of his life, sold into slavery, and the king's going to get pennies on the dollar for what he lent this guy. And the man couldn't bear it. 
So verse 26, the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Doesn't that just sound ignorant? Have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. He couldn't pay a thing. He could have emptied out his bank account and he still would have been at 0.001% of paying this man back. I can make it up to you, I swear. Now, now think about this, okay? Jesus is, tell, is talking to us about forgiveness. He's not giving an economics lesson. He's talking about forgiveness. And in this story, right, in the story, the king is actually God the Father, and we are actually um, the, the servant who borrows the money. And so as, as this king hears this, he's got to be thinking, what an ignorant fool. There's no way that this man can pay up. There's no way that this man can make good. And how often have we been sinned against and we know that there's this sea of debt in between you and your friend, in between you and a, and a relative, in between you and a spouse, in between you and a teacher, in between you and a classmate, in between you and you name it, a neighbor. There's a, there's a gap. There's an ocean of debt. And they say to you, just, just please, just, I can make it up to you. And you look at him, you say, no, you can't. You can't make this up to me. Don't you know the hurt that you caused me? Don't you know the pain that you caused me? Don't you know the sleepless nights that you gave me? You can't pay this back. You can't make up for this. You're a fool to think you can. But the king... He hears these cries and he reverses course. Look at verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. The king had every right to say no. It was a legitimate debt. It was a big debt. And he had every right to say no. And we feel the same way too. We feel that when somebody wrongs us, when somebody hurts us, when somebody destroys us, that we have every right to say no. But did Jesus give us that right? No. Jesus said, forgive every single time. And not only that, but to seek that person out so that you can forgive him. It's not wait until he comes to you. It's go and get him. But we don't like to do this. Naturally, we want to hold these debts. We want to hold these grudges as bad as it makes us feel. And so we try to rationalize it. And you can write these down if you want. These are four rationalizations that we try to hold on to instead of forgiving those who hurt us. Four rationalizations that we try to hold on to instead of forgiving others. Number one is this. We think time will heal. We think time will heal. I'm not going to go to him and ask him to forgive me. You know what? Time's going to heal. Time's going to go by. And time heals all things, right? Wrong. Time heals nothing. It heals nothing. When you just let something go, think about the last time that you just let somebody sin against you go and you sat there in bitterness and anger 
And, and maybe they, they left your life. Maybe you never talked to them again. Or maybe you saw them at every family party. Maybe you continue to see them at every family party. And when their name comes up, it's like, ooh, don't mention his name. I can't stand that guy. Well, why? This, 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 right? Time doesn't heal wounds. It just scabs it over. And upon the hearing of that person's name, it all comes right back up. Why? Because you never release the debt. Number two, so, so we think time will heal it. Number two, we think they don't mean it. We think they don't mean it. You've said this to me before, and I don't believe you. What gives you the right to be able to judge the heart of somebody else? Did God give you his heart-seeing glasses that you can see inside their heart and know whether or not they truly mean what they've said? Remember, Jesus says, forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive without stopping. Forgive without ceasing. He doesn't say forgive only if you think they mean it. Right? So we can't hold on to that. It's not our right. Try to rationalize it with thinking time will heal. Try to rationalize it with judging their motives and thinking whether they mean it or not. Or how about this, number three, we think that they will just do it again. We think that they will just do it again. I forgave you before, and the time before that, 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 and the time before that. No more. You're going to do it again. And I'm not going to open myself up to you to hurt me again. Well, let me ask you this. So if forgiveness is a debt, or if, if, if when somebody sins against you, there's a debt, and you're carrying around that load, and you don't forgive the offense because you think they're going to do it again, and they go and they do it again, now you've got two debts to carry? Now you've got two loads to carry? Is that really better than zero? Right? It's It's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. And finally this, we think it's too big. We rationalize it by saying it's too big. God's going to understand why I didn't forgive. There are serious, grievous sins that people have committed against you. Incalculable costs of time, of money, of heart, of emotion, of tears, of sleep of anxiety, of ulcers. You know, all these things because you've, you've, you've decided to hold on to the debt and say it's too big, I can't forgive it. And it's foolish. It's foolish. All of these rationalizations, while they may be true and they may make things harder for you, all of them are false rationalizations. They are disobedience and Jesus is calling you right now today to repent of them, to let go of that unforgiveness and to go and approach your brother who sinned against you so that they can come and repent and you can forgive them. We've got to let these things go. Are you guys still praying along with me? Luke 17, 5, Lord, increase our faith. You still there? It's getting deeper, isn't it? 
All right, so, so now, now you might be thinking, okay, so you're telling me that Jesus told this fake story about a fake guy who had a fake debt and he, and he was going to throw him in a fake prison and yet he, he, he released him and all this, this dream movie storyland. Well, that's great in story, but I can't do that. It hurts too bad. How do you expect me to do this? Well, write this down in your notes. You must receive the forgiveness that God the Father has given you. You must receive the forgiveness that God the Father has given you. If you want to know how God expects you to forgive, you've got to start at what you have been forgiven. Listen again. And so when the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay everything. Out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. The unpayable, incalculable debt. The $10 billion debt, gone, released it. Now remember what we said, that in this story, we are that guy who owes the debt. And the king is the father. And the king has forgiven all our debt. Think about it like this, right? Think about, think about the last time you went on a picnic. Or, or you, you, you had dinner with, with your kids, right? I had dinner with my kids a, a while ago, and I went to go put on a shirt to go on a date with my wife, and there was a nice mustard stain on my shoulder. That was from my boy Dominic. Thanks, buddy. There's a mustard stain right there. I had to change my shirt, go put on a new one. But, you know, think about the last time maybe you were at a picnic and you, you dove to catch a Frisbee and now you got a grass stain and a dirt stain on your shirt and your kid comes up to you with his Dorito and Cheeto stained fingers and, and touches your white shirt and, you know, now you got this orange stain down the front of it and then you go to make, take a bite out of your hot dog and it falls out and you got ketchup and mustard all over this white shirt. Well, first I want to say to you, learn how to eat and teach your kids manners. But besides that... Besides that, that shirt is ruined, right? No longer to be used. It's a stained shirt. It's got to go in the trash because you cannot clean it. It's uncurable, uncleanable. And that is like our debt to the Lord. And we fall onto our knees and we say, Lord, let me pay it back. Let me do what I can to pay it back. Just be patient with me, God. Be patient with me. And God looks at us and says, are you crazy? Are you nuts? Do you know what you're asking me? Let me show you what he's asking you. Uh, Greg, why don't you come up here, brother? And uh, John, Sebastian, come on up, brother. So, we're saying that, that, the, that the servant is us, okay? And we're saying that God is the king. John, go ahead and stand on this uh, second step. Thanks, brother. And that, and that the king is the father, and that we have this incalculable debt, and we, and we look to God, and we know that we're sinners. We're all going to admit that we're sinners, that, that we've done all these things, and we say, God, have patience with me. I can do it. I can make it up to you. God looks at us with pity and says, no, you can't. No, you can't. Look at the ways that we have, that we have destroyed our relationship with the Lord, right? Look at the ways we've, relation, we've destroyed it. Go ahead and hang that around your neck, John. We've slandered, Right? We've broken our relationships and we've slandered people. We've spoken behind their back. 
and we've trashed them. We've destroyed them. We've spoken terrible, wicked, ungodly things about them out of revenge for what they've done for us. The Lord commands, don't slander but love. And so we've, we've incurred this debt against the Lord and we say, well, it's just a couple of words. No, the debt for this is hell. Hell for all of eternity. That's the debt. You cannot pay it back. You can't begin to pay it back. All the good things that you do are like that, that mustard, ketchup, Dorito stained shirt. Nothing. It's good for nothing. We've slandered, right? Both men and women, we've lusted after others. We've lusted after things. We've let our passions and desires lead us. And we've hurt God. We've, we've destroyed our relationship with Him. We've destroyed our relationship with our wife as we've, as we've browsed late night internet pornography. We've, we've destroyed our relationship with our kids as, as we've lusted after the things of this world instead of loving them. And so we've incurred another debt. Lord, be patient with me. I can pay it back. No, you can't. Hell, that is the debt. That is what you owe. Hell, we've deceived. We've lied. We've had outbursts of anger. We've done all these things. And all of them, we try to make it up to the Lord. We try to go to church, go to small group, serve on a ministry team, read our Bibles. Lord, I'm going to make it up to you, I swear. No, you're not. You never can. And the only way that this debt is going to be paid is if you fall to your knees and you say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so the Lord takes this debt, takes anger, and he says, you owe me hell, but I put it on my son Jesus, on his body, on the cross. You owe me hell, and I put it on Jesus. You can never pay that back. He paid it. For deceit, you owe me hell. You owe me a lifetime sentence. But he put it on his son, Jesus. He paid it. It's gone. The debt is over. For the lust after after other women, after other men, after the things of this world, the Lord says, no, you can't make it up. I'll have mercy on you. I paid the debt. Slander, gossip, sins of our mouth, all of this. We've put it on the Lord. The Father put it on the Son and said, no more. It's gone. You are forgiven. You are free. Amen? Amen. And so we stand. Yeah, go ahead. Amen. And so we stand free, forgiven before the Lord. Our unpayable debt is on the cross, and we can go free. Go ahead, brother. Have a seat. Go ahead. And so if we want to learn how God expects us to forgive, we must receive the forgiveness that the Father has given to you. And the only way to receive that is by faith. The only way to receive the debt that God, or the, 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 the forgiveness of that debt, is to confess your sins to the Lord. Confess that you are a sinner, and He will forgive you and put those sins on the cross. And so, this man, 
this servant, this one who owed $10 billion, is now free to go. You are free. But sadly, the story doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe! Okay. You didn't have quite a reaction that the people who originally heard this would have heard. All right? So when I say that the man was forgiven, you say, Yay! And when I say that he began to choke him, you say, (gasps) Okay? So here we go. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And that same servant went out and he found a servant who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay me what you owe with interest. (laughs) Now listen, a hundred denarii One denarii is a day's wage. So a hundred denarii is a little over three months' wage. That's a big debt, you know? If I owed that to somebody, I'd be in trouble. But it's not $10 billion. So he literally walks out the door, finds the servant, chokes him, pay me! Right after he was just forgiven this debt. So how does God expect me to forgive Write this down in your notes, number four. Remember the debt of your sin when you experience the debt of others' sin. Remember the debt of your sin when you experience the debt of others' sin. He goes on, when, uh, verse 31, When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And, sh- and, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the, to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so this man, with this small debt that was incurred against him, he forgot completely what what the king did for him. And he went and made a hypocrite of himself. And he demanded that small debt to be paid from the one who sinned against him. And when we do that, okay, when we decide not to forgive, what we're doing is that we're making our sins bigger than the gospel. We're making their sins bigger than the gospel. And you are making yourself bigger than God. That's that's what the anger was here. The anger was the fact, you didn't have mercy. I showed you mercy. You didn't have mercy. Why aren't you doing what I did? Forgiveness is the most basic thing that a Christian is. It's elemental. 
If you are a forgiven person, you forgive. Period. John, come on back up. And Greg, come on back up. Here's what we do. When we decide that we're bigger than God, when we decide that, that, our, that God's mercy is not enough, when we decide that, that God doesn't know what he's doing, and we decide that, that God is the one who's wrong and that people still owe us, what we do is we take these sins right off the cross and we put them right back on the other person. I can't believe you did that to me, but I confessed it to the Lord. Aren't you a brother? Yes, but you destroyed my heart. You lied to me. You lied to me. You hurt me. But God forgave me, brother. Don't you know that the Lord says to forgive? I'm sorry. Too bad. You did it before. You're going to do it again. I don't care. You're going to put these back on you. And you're going to pay for what you did. But what about the cross? I don't care. Yes, you're forgiven, but I'm still upset. Do you see how backwards this is? Do you see how anti-Christ this is? We're saying that the gospel doesn't matter. We're saying that what God did for me and what God did for you doesn't matter. The father looks at us and says, I had mercy on you. This is my child. Why couldn't you have mercy on him? Should you not have done it, he says. It's a rhetorical question. The answer, of course, is yes. And what do we notice the man saying? He doesn't say anything. He is busted. Doesn't say a thing. The sins belong. You take those off, John. The sins, the sins belong on the cross. They don't belong in our brothers and sisters. You can have a seat, brother. And when we come to it like this, brothers and sisters, when we remember that God had mercy on us, when we remember how deep our sins were that were put on the cross, that what we owed was hell, there is no greater sin that can be done to us that we did to the Father. The debt that was eternal for us is not so between our brothers and sisters. And if you dig, if you look and you, find, you ask questions when there's strife in families and when there's pain and broken relationships, what you are going to find is that it finds its root in unforgiveness every time. Look at what James says about mercy. It says in the book of James, chapter 2. You can go ahead and put the verse on the screen, guys. Chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You are never more like God than when you forgive. When you show mercy to somebody else, you are showing who God is and you are being 
what God has called you to be, that most elemental, fundamental, basic quality of a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's not without warning. Did you hear what the, man, what the king did to the man? So in his anger, look at verse 34. When he saw the injustice, when he saw the debt being required of the servant who didn't owe as much, he was angry. And his master delivered him to the jailers. Jailers there is another word for torturers. Okay? So he was handed over to a person whose only job it was to torture people. That's it. It's his only job. And he was going to make him pay that debt for the rest of his life until every penny was paid. Until he should pay all his debt. He couldn't pay any of it. He couldn't pay it at all. And now he has to pay all of it. And listen to Jesus' words in verse 35. So also, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus isn't teaching some sort of work salvation here. We know that salvation is by grace through faith. But forgiven people forgive. That's what they do. They look over offenses. They, let, they, they take the offense And they give it to Jesus and say, I can't take this. He can't pay for it. I need to forgive it. And Lord, I need your help to do that. But when you don't forgive, you're showing that you've forgotten the mercy that God had on you. And that judgment, as we saw in James, is going to be strict. And so on earth, when Jesus says this, that the Heavenly Father will do to us, if we don't forgive, we're going to be tormented in our hearts and in our lives. We're going to have guilt. We're going to have bitterness. We're going to have anger. We're going to have broken relationships. And not only that one relationship that we're not going to forgive, but also every other relationship. It's going to be harder and harder to maintain those relationships because you're going to close yourself off. You're going to get hard. You're going to become like a rock in your heart. But there is also that eternal consequence, okay? Because it shows that your heart is not in line with God's heart. It shows that your heart, quite possibly, has not been changed. And if you fail to forgive, that shows so much about you. And so right now, if, if you're thinking, oh goodness gracious, who do I need to forgive? Good. That's what you should be thinking. If you're thinking right now, God, you've been so merciful to me. You forgave my debt. And as hard as it is, I need to go forgive theirs. Good. That's where you should be. Now forgiveness is both a crisis and a process, okay? Forgiveness is a crisis and a process. We've been talking a lot about the crisis this morning. That moment that you choose to say, you owe me nothing. 
Okay, that's the crisis point. That's where forgiveness starts. Somebody asked me last week, what if I forgive him tonight, but I don't forgive him tomorrow morning? I don't feel like I've forgiven him tomorrow morning. Okay, well, raise your hand if you've been there, right? Yeah. And that's the process. That's the process of forgiveness. And that process of forgiveness, you see it by doing three things. These are simple. You're not going to bring it up to them anymore. You're not going to bring it up to them anymore, unless it's for their good and for for reconciliation. You're not going to bring it up to other people anymore. You shouldn't have in the first place, because that's gossip and slander. Okay? And you're not going to bring it up to yourself. You're not going to keep on reminding yourself of how they sinned against you. So you're not going to bring it up to them. You're not going to bring it up to others. You're not going to bring it up to yourself. And when those feelings come back of, God, this debt is so huge, I can't bear it. Go to the cross. Be reminded of how God forgave you. Receive that forgiveness that God has given you. Seek out that person who sinned against you with the intent of forgiving them and forgive them as frequently as they ask for your forgiveness. That's the way to restore relationships. That's the way that God expects you to forgive fully, completely, always by the power and the strength of the gospel. So here's what I want you to do. If there's somebody that's pounding on your heart right now that you know, you know, you have not forgiven them. Write it down. Write it down. I must forgive blank person's name for blank. What is it? What's the thing that you got to forgive? What's the thing that you're holding on to? What's the thing that you have taken off the cross and put back on them? I must forgive so-and-so for what? And it might not be an exercise you can do right now. You might need to pray about it. You might have to fill out a journal. Okay? But the fact is, today is the day to start that process of forgiveness. Today is the day to choose to forgive in your heart and to begin that process of forgiving that person. Now, your relationship may not go back to what it used to be. They may have completely betrayed you and gone and left. It might not be the same, okay? But the question is, have you released that obligation from when they injured you? Increase our faith, Lord, right? Increase our faith. Our sins have been paid for on the cross, amen? If they're a believer in Jesus Christ, their sins have been paid for on the cross. So with the power of Jesus Christ, with the power of the gospel, knowing how you've been forgiven, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he's changed us and made us new. We thank you that we are no longer who we were, the vengeful, spiteful people, but Lord, that you have made us into forgiving people. 
Father, I pray for each and every one of the uh, uh, brothers and sisters in here who are struggling in a relationship that they need to forgive somebody in. God, that you would give them by the power of your spirit the ability to forgive. Remind them of your deep love for them and send them to go with the intent of reconciling and let them forgive when they ask for forgiveness. Thank you for doing that for us and use us to do it for others. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.